Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glasby. And welcome to the Military Cash Flow. Today's guest is going to be discussing how he built a business while serving full-time in the military. And we're going to cover everything. How he actually built the business from the inside of his own home and built it and maintained it while he was deployed for years at a time, not just a couple of months. And how all of that kind of translated over to his real estate investment. Stay tuned. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cash Flow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glasby. And today, we have a very special guest. His name is Jonathan Bird. Um, would you mind introducing yourself, Jonathan? Let us know a little bit about you, what you're doing, or where you're from, and uh, a few other things. Sure. My name is Jonathan Bird, as you said. I am uh, I'm an active duty Air Force member. I've uh, been in 20 years, and uh, yeah. John Thanks Bird. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, so, so you got a lot of interesting things in your background, man, uh, particularly in the business realm, right? So I do understand that you, you actually own and operated a business. Um, mm -hmm. I think you did it while you were, while you were not in the country too, right? And you also right. did a little bit of real estate as well. So can you kind of dive into that a little bit and break that down? That's the deal. Yeah, man. So, um, gosh, I want to say it was, it was 2014, 2015, I was on a deployment. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was abroad, I was watching Shark Tank at the time, nice. and got inspired to, um, to start a dessert business, uh, specifically Italian ice, or in, in Philadelphia, I'm from the Philadelphia area, so we call it water ice. Uh, I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's amazing, mm -hmm. right? But either way, um, I started the business. Uh, I did my research while I was over there, and um, my my thought was to once I returned to the U.S., I was gonna um, um, basically, you know, kick things off. But I was trying to piece together everything while I was overseas, so that once I landed in the U.S., I could just make my move. So pretty much that's what happened. I, I reached out to the city of uh, Fayetteville at the time. That's where I was. I was stationed at Fort Bragg, and um, Gosh, I reached out to everybody from um, the from the mayor's office to mm -hmm. there was a there was an organization called Seed. Yep, um, I can't remember what Seed stands for, but um, it was formerly the Women's Business Center. Yeah. So I thought I couldn't call at first because I thought they were only into helping women, but I called. I made friends with a uh, with a with a lady down there. Um, I'll give a shout out to Lexi Lexi Hasapis. She is amazing and she has continued to be amazing while I while I was trying to get my business off the ground and from there she plugged me in with a, uh, a graphic designer who uh, created my my logo and a deck and all this other stuff that I had no clue about and uh yeah and then I was rolling but when you said that the the graphic designer all this other stuff to get you started typically when people are starting their businesses you know, especially trying to build the business while in the military, they'll do a lot of outsourcing. So Fiverr, Upwork, things like mm -hmm. that. You're, you're saying that you went directly to like a, I guess a, a local graphic designer. 
to kind of help you get right. that ground? Right. I went to a local person and I was actually referred to, to this person by, by Lexi. And, um, you know, it's amazing what happens when you meet people that are willing to want to help because they end up kind of helping you do the legwork without you having to do a lot. If you just become vocal about your ask, you know what I mean? Almost sounds like the importance of networking. Huh? It was, we made that was the beginning. Yeah. We literally just recorded a video about that literally right before. Yeah. yeah that got you on. So can't, uh, I can't tell you guys. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crucial, crucial to, you know, expansion as you guys know. So water ice, water ice business. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jeremiah's, you know, down in Orlando, you know, like the time. Yep. Uh, Snoop Frog yep. is my favorite. It's my favorite. Uh, what do you call it? My, a Snoop what? It's, it's literally called Snoop Froggy Frog. That's that's what it's called. It's like this green mint chocolate chip. Like, dude, I'm a, I'm a serious fan. I'm a serious fan of the uh, the Italian ice. But um, so water ice. So why why Italian ice? And then also, how did that business go for you? What did it do to change your mindset? And then we'll talk about how we kind of trans transferred uh, into real estate as well. So at the time. In, in 2014-15, through my research, I didn't see a, I didn't see a business corn syrup. It had all kinds of different flavors that really weren't um, conducive to what I was trying to do. They weren't they weren't towards the healthy path, and um, um, they really weren't natural. Man. So you know, bubble gum and you know, blue raspberry, all these these flavors that when you eat them, they they stain your tongue and that kind of stuff. That wasn't what I was trying to do. So. I noticed a void in the market and uh, I jumped on it. So, okay. so, so tell me this, you built, you built this, this business, right? Out of a desire, out of like a passion, right? You wanted to start a business. What, what was your purpose for wanting to start a business in general? Like what was that kind of that deep urge? I was six years out or well, five years out from 20 years at the time. So my mentality was, okay, what am I going to do next? Um, I had to, I was trying to find a way to be able to support myself and build the business while I was in so that once, once my 20 years hit and if I chose to retire, then it was already self-sustaining and had five years of, you know, time to grow before I got out. I absolutely love that you said that. And I love that you touched on that point because I think that is a big, um, a big point of contention. I'm in a lot of different uh, groups, right? And a lot of groups say, oh no, you know, you're in the military, you shouldn't create a business. You give all, every single waking moment, everything you got into, mm -hmm. you know, into your military career. And then you can focus on all that stuff after that. I love that you had the foresight enough to be like, hey, you know, I can still be professional in my job. I can still do a great, uh, great performance on my job. But while other people may be, you know, watching football or, freaking, you know, going out to the bars and stuff, I can be creating my siding, I can create my, my business on the side that will sustain my lifestyle after I actually get out, right? Absolutely love that. Um, so you, um, how did you manage that? How, how did that work as far as like your time commitment? Because I mean, especially starting a business from scratch, right? We're not talking about real estate here. Real estate, you can put a, right now, real estate, you can put some time in up front and then it can kind of self-sustain itself through the use of property managers and things like that. But you're talking about an actual, um, an actual, uh, uh, water ice business. How were you able to do both and how did you maintain, how did you manage your time essentially? So point blank, I was a weekend warrior. Um, during the week I spent my time, you know, I was, I was working my nine to 
five or what have you. Um, I was structuring everything around if I had to go TDY or work late, but I had the machine, I had an outlet installed in my house and I had this 300 pound machine in my living room on cinder blocks <laughs> and I'm practicing. So, you know, I, I remember, I specifically remember, I would pack up these little like ketchup containers full of uh, just different product I had made. And uh, I would go to, I would go, I'd make it and then go downtown and go to different places because what I was trying to do was trying to get them to distribute my, my product and, uh, you know, build relationship along the way. So that, that, was, that was the only way I could do it. I, I had to work the weekends. Commitment. So you're saying you, you. So you had a platter of you had a platter of the water right? <laughs> a platter of the Italian ice and you're just going knocking door to door. Hey man, try that's my right. you know, I want you to try this stuff and you know maybe you want to put it in your stores. I mean that's that's some serious commitment, man. I love I love, I, love I could just see it right now, the couch all the way against the wall, just to make <laughs> space for the uh three hundred pound machine. <laughs> now you can't come in was, right now. Let's you can't come in the living room yeah. right now. It was borderline embarrassing, man. It was borderline embarrassing because. But when you live that, when you live that minimalist lifestyle, because you you are you're already in the right mindset, right? It's it's the whole concept of suffer now to play later, right? And not not saying that you were suffering by any means, but you you gave up a little bit of your comfort. You gave up your weekends. You gave up, you know, I'm sure plenty of living room space because a 300 pound machine that, and with a cinder block. <laughs> Right? So you gave up some, you gave up some of those things because you were trying to build, you know, something for the future. And, and with that being said, was there any, I mean, where did you learn? Where did you get the business like acumen, the business insight? Was that military kind of driven? Was it something that you kind of learned over the time frame, or did you pick it up off of books and Shark Tank, or what was that like? So, you know, early on in my career. I did, I did my first four years as, a, uh, as an F-16 crew chief. So basically, I was responsible for an airplane. Mm -hmm. I, was a, I, was a, I was basically an air, aircraft mechanic, but that aircraft was mine. It was my responsibility. So working those four years, I realized, okay, there are other jobs out there that I want to do that don't require me um, having to produce so much labor because it was a lot of manual labor and it was outside in all of the elements, you know, rain, sleet, snow, hail in Utah. So um, once that time, once my time was finished, I realized that I had the opportunity to retrain and I retrained and um, I had a bonus with, with that retraining. And with that bonus, um, I was able to buy my first property, I think at 20, one or 22 but i had no clue of what i was doing but in my mind at that time i was like okay you know what because everybody was in the dorms and you know around that time frame this is maybe 04 05 no one was really talking about purchasing property and no one really had there was no platform like anything we see today that was available for people to be able to you know do some research i asked my mom my dad no one had a clue. So I just pulled the trigger thinking, okay, I'm buying a house and producing wealth, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. So I think it started then. That's actually a good transition because I'm kind of curious to, to, to that first purchase property. What in your mind said, you know what, I got a bonus. Instead of splurging on a Corvette, I'm gonna go get this house or whatever the case is. Yeah, so I think it just, so so let's let's go back to that, right? So. 
I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I literally was signing papers. And the, I knew the interest rate was, uh, it was a 6.1. And I still didn't really understand that, right? But I just knew that my BAH, which was, I don't know, 18, 1900 bucks at Andrews Air Force Base, could cover it. So I was like, yeah, if I could just buy something and, and pocket the rest, and you know, it's going to appreciate, it, it was a no brainer to me at 21 to 22 years old. Um, I really wasn't, I was pretty frugal at that time too. So um, me, me getting, I don't know, I got, I think 20,000 was my first installment, my first installment, 20, 25,000 or something like that. Um, I just didn't think to, I wasn't trying to buy a new, a new car or a new anything, a new liability, you know what I mean? My buddy at the time had that same bonus and bought a new Subaru STI, and I think he paid cash for it. Oh, so, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh. So, I'm, um, I'm gonna tell you the Air Force. See, you, this is how you, this is how you know the Air Force, like, like, just, just dominates the Army when it comes to bonuses. He said his first installment. Look, 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 look we'll sign up a seven-year contract and get. <laughs> You know, another another quick uh, a quick um, <laughs> difference between the Air Force and the Army, right? I guess Air Force, you guys buy Subarus, bro. If that was Army and somebody got twenty Gs, there would be a new a new freaking um, Dodge oh, Charger. Yep. You know, <laughs> bro. Well, I already knew before you said it. I literally a brand new Charger, a Camaro, whatever. We're like, yo, he's E three. It's one of the two. Like, yeah, one of the two. Automatic. It's the PFC one. startup kit, baby. Yeah, exactly. That's two. You already know it. So, so to kind of touch back a little bit, I'm just going to rewind just a little bit. Um, uh, we talked about that business, right? Uh, uh, you started it for the intents and purposes to build that passive income when the time was up. And, and ultimately, same thing, same concept. You said, hey, let me buy this now, this real estate property. So in the end, it's, you know, it's an investment, right? But what, what part about all this, uh, you know, investing in business savviness, right? Is there any, is there any military training or event that kind of contributed to your ability to look at something like that, like a business proposal? Or was that all kind of self-taught? Was that like you just reading books and you going into Shark Tank and, and everything else? At that time, no one was, no one in the military was talking to me about, mm. about investing. Mm. So I was at that time self-taught and, um, you know, at that time, it was more okay. Get a TSP and do it do it that way. And I was just like, all right, I'll just throw this here and hope that it grows. And and that, that's that's truly what it is. I mean, you can kind of bounce around to, to you know through each fund you want, but now you can. It, it just wasn't right. But I don't even know, bro. I didn't log into my TSP until like five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I just. With, with TSP, it, it always presented me as the fire and forget mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I know that I had the login capability, but I think a lot of it was my education and a lot of it was, it was my, um, my, um, my, my superiors. They, they just didn't, to this day, they still don't really talk about that. Like I don't have, I don't have financial conversations or investing conversations with any of my coworkers today or you know maybe five years ago yes because there are some guys that i'd like to introduce you to that that are talking like that but generally no 
they're talking about how to spend it. They're not talking about how to how to grow it. I, and, and that's one of the things that I think me and resonates with me and Dan very heavy is we've talked about it plenty of times. There's not enough conversation about how to take care of yourself when this is all over. A lot of the conversation in the military is how to be better at your job in the current. With all due respect, I understand the concept because in certain professions, it is truly the difference between life and death. And I get it and I respect that. But ultimately understanding that the sacrifice that our men and women give over this small amount of time, whether it's the full 20 plus years or it's a smaller amount, the, the toll that people take on for that, there needs to be more discussions of how do you take care of yourself in the future? And obviously on this platform, we're talking about it financially. But uh, yeah, so I completely understand where you're coming from. Big time. Yeah, it's, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I know, I was, I was gonna say one of, our, one of our biggest or one of the things I say the most when we talk about finance to soldiers, at least when I talk to my soldiers about finance and different, different types of real estate options and different types of mutual funds, like all these different types of uh, financial literacy um, uh, things is, hey, just like Mike said, we only get 20 years in, in the military, right? That's, for the most part, that's what most people are gonna, what most people can, will likely get to is 20 years max, right? We can't, your kids cannot inherit your rank, right? Your kids cannot inherit your rank. So you gotta understand that. You can work for all this for, for 20 years, man, give, it, give everything you can to the military, but at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have anything to give afterwards, or if you neglect your family, or you neglect all these other things in pursuit of that rank, you're doing your family and you're really doing yourself a disservice, right? So I think that's, that's another, another point um, of why that is, is financial literacy, at least amongst military members, is extremely, extremely important. Um, just real quick, what are you seeing at that level with, with your subordinates? Do, are they smarter? Is that generation smarter than, than we were when we came in? Or are they, are they, are they receptive to that conversation? So it's so now I think they're a lot more receptive just because of the type of the generation that we're in. I feel like it's more of a um, it's not so much when I first got in, everything was and, and it might be because I, I was a combat armed when I first came in as well, too. But if you're told something, you do it. You know what I mean? There's no questioning. There's none of that. Right. But now now that I've switched over and I feel like the generation is, is we've changed just a little bit. Right. I feel like more people are asking questions like, well, wait a minute, does this really make sense? Does this, and so because they do that, because they have that type of mentality, they're more open to thought provoking, you know, things in my opinion. So when I talk to my soldiers now about, um, hey, let me, let me explain. I've taught several classes on just uh, investing with your VA loan, being, knowing that you can, you can buy a four unit with a VA loan. Let me show you exactly how you would analyze a property. I've, no shit help two of my soldiers buy duplexes, which hopefully I'm going to get them on a podcast uh, podcast here shortly. But um, now that we talk through that and they see that and they see those numbers and they see, hey, how this can help you as you progress through your military career, how it can relieve some of the stress off of you while you progress through your military career. Um, I mean, 99% of, I'd say probably 99% of divorces, 99% of people getting out of the military and things like that, a lot of it's attributed to their, their, their financial situation, right? And if you can ease that, and if you can talk about that, and if you can help them build wealth and create cash flow while they're still in the military, then, you know, I, I think it, it just, it just works so much better for them. So to answer your question, yes, I think they're more receptive to, to uh, talking about um, money. 
yeah, about money and, and things that can grow them wealth because they understand it a little bit more. So I've also seen that this generation or the newer, the upcoming generation is a, is a generation of a little bit more free thinkers. The, the ways we can make money nowadays are abundant. They're everywhere. They're all around us. And so now I think that's sparking the question more. The old traditional, hey, I have to work nine to five for 40 years just to, just to live and then all of a sudden get another job. Those days are way behind us. Way, those are long gone. People can now have a platform and generate income just from their own, the comfort of their own home in multiple ways. So uh, to kind of go back to, to that same question you had there, John, I think like now people are at least more receptive because they can conceptualize it better than our generation could. We were taught, go to school, get a job, go work for, you know, join the military and do the military because in 20 years you can actually retire versus 30 like a corporate job. That's a, that's a win, right? And, and again, it, to, every, to each his own, but we all now know that there are multiple options to generate that same type of income. Mm -hmm. You kind of reversed it on us. We're asking the questions, John. <laughs> it's all deep in our fields. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Jedi mind tricks, man. The reverse Jedi mind tricks. All right. So on that note, okay, okay. So let's let's talk about. Uh, we we kind of touched on it, but you you transferred over that business skills uh, to that business, uh, and now you kind of translated it over to real estate. Now you you purchased one a while back, and you're still in the process of doing some things with real estate all at a long distance. So talk to us about the real estate journey. What does that look like from start to finish? Where are you at now? So from the time I purchased my property at 21 till now, I still have just, just that one property. Um, I think a lot of it was, um, you know, me just hesitating and not really having the info I needed to make a, um, to make an educated decision. You know what I mean? And, and I don't think it was, was really analysis paralysis. I didn't put all my, I didn't put my resources to use to, to reach out to property managers, to reach out to realtors, to um, you know, invest in a few platforms to do some due diligence on my own uh, until, until roughly a few months ago. And um, my, we've had this conversation plenty of times, you know, but um, I think once you know you're ready, or once something something kicks in inside of you to say, okay, I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. That's when it happens. And the information is there. You just got to go find it. You know what I mean? So as of right now, today, um, I've got, I have a realtor on deck. I've got a property manager on deck. I've got a lawyer on deck to, to look over the, the, the legal paperwork when needed. Mm -hmm. And I also have an, I also have a CPA to, to do that part when the time comes for me to make my move. Okay, do you still have that original um, property that you purchased? I do. Good, and right now you're renting it out? It's being rented out, and uh, as we speak, I'm, uh, what's it called? Um, I'm basically paying down my, my mortgage at an accelerated rate, I can't remember the term. So there's a, a term called velocity banking, but that may not be. That's it. That, oh, that's it? We're we going to have to do an episode on that, guys. Velocity banking is very interesting, but that is, that's good. So you're really rapidly building in that equity uh, so you can just experience more cash flow on the back end. Yeah, I should hopefully pay that. That, that property should be paid off in the next year, year and a half. Okay. okay. All right, so, let's, so, let's, so you built your team, right? You built your team. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, well, you started off, you built the business, you bought, bought your property, understood, you, you know, you took, uh, took some time to, um, to focus on your military career for the most part. And now you're, you're capitalizing on those resources. You're getting back into the game, right? And you got your team on deck, uh, basically. So what is your next move? How are you, how are you going to, what are you looking for and, and how do you plan to execute? So my next move is, uh, so I'm currently overseas right now. I'm not due to come back until you know two years from now. And um, what I'd like to do now is purchase some kind of income producing property. I'd like something more than one door if possible. So I've got a few, a few quadplexes in mind that I've spoken to my realtor about. And uh, right now it seems like no one can really do anything right now. So she knows what I'm looking for and she knows what I want. So once she's able to actually go out and inspect these properties and do so with the property manager, I'm going to start, um, I'm going to start negotiating some deals. Okay. That's my plan. And, and this, at the time this is being recorded, there's a little pandemic going on. So that's what, that's what he's referring to as far as like, a, a, um, they're not being able to do anything because we've seen a lot of restrictions right. on lending and and uh even just being getting access to some of these properties to walk them right uh but <laughs> we are creative and we're finding solutions you know holding them at hostage and everything anyway so the thing is no, <laughs> uh but that's good to know man so so you, you built that team you're progressing on uh you have a game plan set up and you have a timeline right you know as soon as you're ready to pull the trigger you're good to go so now nothing nothing's going to stop you so now you talked about an interesting thing about you being, were you, you about to, did I cut you off, Mike? No, you're good, man. Go for it. So, so you talk about an interesting thing. Right now you're overseas, right? So, and we're talking about, you built your team to help help mitigate, you know, um, you being overseas and still being able to buy a property. How has that, um, how has that affected your search outside of the pandemic? I mean, I know that that has a lot to do with it, but um, <clears throat> how do you feel like that has helped or hurt hurt you and then also can you can you speak to how you went about finding these people to add to your team so it has certainly helped me because um i didn't realize i didn't realize how capable i was at finding the the, the at assembling the team that i needed until i started and i mean everything's a fingertip away guys as we all know but it, it really wasn't that hard. I just, I just made phone calls. The first thing I did was I bought Magic Jack. So Magic Jack gave me um, the capability to call US phone numbers through this thing. So what I do is I fire up Magic Jack on my, on my iPhone and it's all Wi-Fi. So I'll, I'll burn, I will burn through phone calls, either calling, calling uh, lawyers or accountants or whomever just to, see if they can do what I'm, you know, asking for them to do. And if they can't, then I'll just keep moving on. But it's, it's, it's so easy, so easy to do. What are some of the questions? What are some of the questions that you're asking? Let's just say the attorney, like, how are you, how um, are you betting them essentially is, is, is the question I'm really asking. So because it was my, because it, it, when it was my first time doing it, I basically just, I talked to them about, um, how, what is their expertise mm -hmm. first and foremost? And if, if they have expertise in, in, in real estate, then, then how are they doing so? And, 
they were more so they were more so educating me on what I didn't know. I really didn't know what questions to ask. I think, you know, I read in books what I should ask. And then as soon as I got on the phone with them, I completely forgot about it. So um, (laughs) they were, they were, they were, it seemed like they were interviewing me. Are you ready for me? Kind of thing. Or so. I love that, man. I love that. We literally just got done talking about networking uh, not too long ago. And one of the biggest things with networking is you allow the individuals to talk about their strategy because you learn so much. In the beginning, the conversations, the point of you going out there and meeting these people isn't for you to vet them as if you're the expert. It's for you to identify what you don't know. Now let's fill in that gap. What I don't know and how to fix it. So that, that, that's beautiful. That's perfect. You just sat there and essentially called around and I'm, I'm assuming you spoke to multiple attorneys, multiple realtors until you identified the ones that best suited you, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's that right there. That's how you build a business while in the military, while, you know, across the world is essentially you set those, 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 those parameters, you make the phone calls and you build the team. And now you just let that team help you help you facilitate everything, the entire transaction, the entire operation. That's- so um, another quick thing, quick note with that piece is um, not only is allowing them to talk, you get to find, fill in the gaps of what you don't know, but you also get to, to kind of see what they know really and, and, and mm-hmm. allowing them to talk kind of, um, there's some people, there's, I know you said you did your research up front, right? You did your research up front and you figured out what questions you wanted to ask. So you, likely you probably had uh, some ideal answers that you wanted to, you wanted to get, right? So obviously mm-hmm. if they veer, if they veer far to the left of some of the ideal answers and they just, you know, kind of off in la la land, right? That's an easy way to, to, to vet them as well. So building a business while in the military, how are you systemizing? How are you systemizing things? Uh, how are you going to build this real estate business? I mean, you're, you're about to buy more properties um, and you're, you're talking about um, uh, growing a portfolio. How do you plan to systemize this? How are you going to make this an actual business versus what most people um, I see in the military do just buy, buy a home for, you know, the nicest home that they can find and just, you know, not, not doing any due diligence or anything like that. Hey, it just looks nice. It's something that impressed my friends. How are you making this a business versus doing what the norm is? First and foremost, the relationship with my realtor is she has to know what I'm looking for. And I'm I'm looking for value add properties. What does that mean? Anything that is undervalued in the area that it's currently in. So, you know, if it's in, if it's in, I don't know, B class, A class, B class, C class neighborhood, I, I really don't care as long as I can through renovating and through placing the right tenants and um, increasing the rents over time, if, if possible, um, I can add value to that, to that property. Um, you know, if, if they're blighted properties, that's, that's even better. Um, I've, I'm currently looking at, at properties on the tax repository list, basically properties that are on a tax lien list that did not get sold because, you know, maybe they're just, just ugly houses too, too much to, uh, you know, for someone to, to take on. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at those and I'm seeing properties. Now, I don't know what I'm, I, I really don't know what I'm getting myself into until my team goes and looks at the property and, and assesses everything. But I mean, brother, I'm seeing properties for five, $10,000. So if it's in a neighborhood and, you know, regardless of what tenant I put in there, if it's a regular tenant, if it's a, 
uh, low-income housing tenant, whomever, can I find a way to can I find a way to add value and cash flow that property? So that's exactly what I'm looking for. And I, I love it because you got the criteria. So, so people get into analysis paralysis for a couple of different reasons. One, they may just slap a whole bunch of criteria onto their searches that essentially render every deal invalid, right? No, no, nothing is ever a good deal because you got too many criteria, right? And then others may have fear. But I always like to say, if you identify your criteria and you just know in an essence what you need. Now, obviously you can go into finer details and numbers at a certain point, but right now your criteria is very simple. Can I add value? Can I cash flow? If the yep. answer is yes, that means you're going to put more effort into the due diligence of that specific property. Doesn't mean you're going to buy it, but now you're going to put more attention to it. Right? right? So that's simple enough to get through that first layer. And as long as you can set your criteria in layers like that, there's no such thing as analysis paralysis because it's either a yes or a no. So kudos to you on that. That's, that's simple enough, but you know, it drives home the point. How are you planning on financing it? Cause we're talking about, uh, I know you mentioned duplex, um, but you also mentioned, you know, $10,000 house and a lot of people, a lot of uh, military, uh, the, the common notion is, you know, I have to have a house in perfect condition if I want to use a VA loan, for example. So how are you planning to, how are you planning to, uh, to finance that and renovate it? So, um, I've got, I've got someone else that I'm working with to, uh, we're going to join our, our, our money together to purchase this property. If I could purchase it myself cash, I'll do so. And, um, and then just reach out to, to my partner for the funds. Um, if it, if, if, if I could put a mortgage on it, then, you know, I'll just do that. I'll just do a conventional mortgage and uh, let that roll for a little bit and eventually, you know, hopefully refinance it into something else if I need to, or just let it ride. Yeah, the standard, the standard Burr method. Yeah, put that rehab in there, refinance and get that money out and do it again. I like it. Excellent. Right. So, um, so you're not using the, not using the VA loan, right? So most people would hear that, like, the reason why I brought that up is because, you know, th there is such thing as called a, a renovation loan for those of you out there who do not know that. Now, obviously, in this situation that you're talking about, you're looking for a pure rental, so you don't plan to even occupy it, right? So that would kind of disqualify you from, from using the VA loan uh, in the first place, which makes 100% sense. However, um, for those out there, the reason, the only reason I brought that up is just to just to touch on that piece, there is a VA renovation loan. And, and if you have a dilapidated home that you are going to occupy the um, you can get a loan that will, uh, that will finance the purchase and the rehab of the property um, and, and get the VA back. So you can, uh, you can do that if you're a veteran have 0% down. So, so I did try, I tried to use, talk to, to, to a few lenders about using a VA loan in my specific situation as of right now. And, they said it was not possible for me to use my VA loan until I was maybe six. a year to a year and a half, maybe six months, six months to a year and a half roughly of me returning back to the U.S. So, you know, that strategy kind of got thrown out once I found that out. Yeah. And ultimately you kept prodding, you know, you kept prodding until you mm -hmm. found a solution, which is ultimately what this is all about. We always talk about creative approaches. Yes, there's some very black and white ways to do it. Get a loan. That's easy. Yep. But what happens when that loan is not a viable option, right? We don't accept right. no. We keep trying to chip away at it. 
All right. Sure. So what's your ultimate, what's your ultimate goal, right? You get this one here. Are you trying to reach a certain number of doors? Are you trying to reach a certain number of passive income? What's kind of like your, your goal? What are you working towards? My ultimate goal is to, by the time I retire, I have enough passive income through the properties invested to supplement the income that I make currently. To, to basically match it, sorry. To match the income I currently make. My goal is to not have to go working for someone else to maintain the same lifestyle I currently have. That is fine. And I'm doing so three, four, three or four years out. That's my, that's my goal for right now. That's perfect, yeah. Please, hey, if you're listening to that, just rewind that, rewind that again for the importance of why we, why we stress or why we um, advocate for starting a business or starting something while you're actually in the military. Um, for that exact reason, a lot of people um, assume that once they get out, hey, I, yeah, I got a pension, so I'm good. Mm -hmm. But they fail to realize that, hey, you, you, you've built a certain lifestyle to this point, and that lifestyle costs X amount of dollars. If you cut off 50% of what you're making right now, you likely are not going to be able to maintain that lifestyle. Therefore, you're going to have to go out and get another job. And what you're doing is so crucial. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my business to the point where I can supplement it and maintain the current, at least maintain the current lifestyle that I already have. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, people, people don't consider, they don't, they don't consider that, you know, they, I don't know, man. It's I don't know. I, constant need to <laughs> our constant, I guess, mindset that, Hey, I'm going to get another job. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Right. Because they're constantly thinking that they are their only way of making money. This is the only way that I can bring in, in income. But if you ultimately step back and look at it holistically and say, hey, I can create a system that generates money. I can essentially create my own money. And then I can enjoy life the way I want to. You know, and I've got right. to you're like 65 and a half, you know? I can enjoy exactly. life. I can go climb right. that mountain right now while I'm freaking 37 or 38 versus trying to climb that mountain, Mount Everest, when I'm fucking 70. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, got you know what, too, man? Got a mule. Something came, something, I just thought about this, too. You are, as of right now, before you retire, you're in the bank's eyes, you're a good borrower. You're a safe borrower. You have a stable job. You have a steady income. And I don't even think, I'm not even sure, you know, regarding lending, go, you know, once, once you get out and that, that income stops, how do, I don't even know how they consider or how they factor in your retirement income, but it's not the same. It's not the same. So when you're done and you're self-employed, which you will be as owning rental properties, you're going to need two years of those of that income reported on your taxes for them to even count that. But then again, say you made $100,000 in gross rental income. After you paid off your mortgages, your property management and everything else, what did you net? because that's what they're gonna look at in regards to your ability to borrow. You have to have two years of it, then yep, you're gonna have some retirement. If it's taxable, they're gonna look at post and pre, and then you may have disability, and disability is gonna be non-tax, um, but ultimately you are exactly right. They are, your, your income drastically drops in most cases, and your ability to borrow is greatly diminished. So 
again, planning out this far ahead, three years, four years, five years, plan out this far ahead and find out how you're going to supplement this stuff. Because if you still plan on investing, you may not need a loan. You may not. But how else are you going to bring up the money? Right? There's no right or wrong answer. But how else are you going to fund the projects if you're not getting a loan? Plan three to four years out. I'd say even further than that, man. I'd say start planning now. <laughs> yeah. And if you, yeah, if you can, I don't know how far some of these people are out, but plan, plan ahead, plan. All right. All right, John. So we're, we're starting to wrap it up here. We covered a lot of stuff about how to build a business while in the military. I mean, everything from, from ice cream shops being set up inside the living room, just moving the bed out to, to investing in real estate and creating teams, all of this stuff. Now, if you had to give any advice that, to the servicemen and women out there that just are trying to get started, what would it be? Don't even think about it. Just, just do it. Mm. Just don't even, don't even, don't analyze it enough to where you don't know what, to where you don't have an idea of, of what to do. You know, just do it, run into stuff, break things along the way, and yeah, figure it out along the way. That's the kind of person I am. You know, I, I don't know about other people, but yeah, I just, I just figure it out along the way. I just want to get started. Do it. Do it. Fail forward. Fail forward and do it. <laughs> Love it. Good stuff. Love it. All right. Good stuff. Hey, so um, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, really, really do appreciate that. Hey, um, if you guys have any questions, make sure you leave a comment down below. If you have any questions for Jonathan, he'll be there and he'll be able to answer some of those questions for you. Obviously, me and Mike will be there as well to answer some of those questions. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, leave us a five-star review. You can leave a comment in there as well. We appreciate that. Um, also, we have the Facebook group, the Military Cashflow Facebook group there. It has a, a bunch of people. We have over we have about 500 people in there now, 500 service members in there now that are all helping each other grow and build wealth through real estate. We're sharing tips, sharing deal people. There's a lot of great conversations going on in the group, so I strongly uh, urge you to join that group. It's absolutely free. Uh, don't, don't doesn't cost you anything. It's just free game, right? Um, lastly, if um, if you are about to PCS, if you are about to move, or if you're just looking for a home in general and uh, looking for a home in general, and you need an investor savvy, military friendly realtor, make sure to hit us up. Just link link us up link link up with us uh through social media or whatever however you want to um and we will we will give you a contact uh that has already been vetted by us a person that's we've already we've already made sure they're investor friendly people that we actually know and we'll put you in contact with them absolutely free service it's all for you it's all to help you build wealth and create and create cash flow so you're not walking around with a realtor that has no idea what what roi means return on investment or nothing like that so um uh, with that, am I missing anything, Mike? Oh, that's it. Let's go out there and make that military cash flow. All right. Hey, again, Jonathan, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for for uh, for giving us your time and and helping to share your story. Guys, I appreciate the platform and uh, I appreciate what you're doing. And once again, thanks for having me. All right. All right. Hey, with that, um, this is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspie signing off. <laughs>